Welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. In my seasons uh, in ministry, um, I actually took on that. Okay, God, if you say you did this, and you are teaching your disciples to do that, and you were with them. But what God, what Jesus was trying to show is that when he goes away, he is going to send something back, the Holy Spirit. And carrying the Holy Spirit means that we will do greater things. We will do greater things. At that and trying to interpret what it means for us today, I believe that every believer has the capacity to do everything that Jesus did according to the gifts. I've been fortunate enough to be involved in deliverance in a season in my ministry. Deliverance. I have seen the power of God. I have seen the supernatural world interact with the natural world. And I, and I believed it before I saw it because Jesus said this is what would happen. So sitting, as you sit there, you carry something. You carry the Holy Spirit. And you can do greater things today. Yeah. I've, I've written that down. John fourteen eleven. He says, believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do, do, do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. I was encouraged by that as well, that, that thought that greater works... That, that Jesus is em- empowering us to do. And we see that throughout Mark's gospel. It's over and over and over and over again. We actually did a study in our life group where we went through every single delivery gospel and we looked at what, you know, what was common in them, what was uncommon, what, where they took place. How, and we saw that there was only one common thing and that was Jesus. Some people were healed by being touched. Some people were healed by just a word. Some people were delivered by... Uh, one, one lady came to Jesus and her daughter was actually being oppressed by uh, a demon and Jesus set her free from a distance. So we saw like all these different things that are taking place and there's no kind of written pattern or formula for how they worked. It was just Jesus' presence brings the kingdom, which brings freedom. Yeah? And if we have the Holy Spirit, then we are partakers in that and we then bring the kingdom as well. So as you're reading through it, what was it doing to you? What, reading through Mark, what was it doing to your faith? Oh, look, look, it's the same as any gospel. It's the same as anywhere in the Bible. Faith, by reading the word, you, you know, you read the word, it'll build your faith up. Absolutely. But I think the keynote is we can do it. We have to be bold. Now, one thing that stands out to me, 
there was one demon when they went out two by two. They, uh, they said to Jesus, we couldn't cast a demon out of this one. And Jesus said, he rebuked him and he said, this demon only comes out by, by prayer and fasting. Now, what's going to happen is you're going to pray for people, but towards the end, the disciples turned the world upside down. You are, when you get a failure, you learn from that failure. And when you get a failure, don't, don't just pack your bags and go. You just keep going and keep going and keep going. When you pray for the sick, you'll find that every now and again, you'll find one that it, it just doesn't, well, it doesn't, they don't seem to get better. But you just keep going and going and going. So the disciples had one failure. But it didn't stop them. So if you have a failure down the track, whether it's a deliverance, whether it's a healing, or whether it's something else, you just keep going and keep going and keep... And the further you get down that track, the less failures you'll get because your faith will build up and you've just got to go forward with courage. So built your faith, gave you courage, That's boldness, like you needed more, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> So having faith, you know, um, the Bible tells us in this world we are going to have trouble. We're going to have adversities. And when we read, as we've been, when you read the Bible, you would see that Jesus, when Jesus started to minister, he always had adversities. And I believe that when God moves us into a particular ministry or he convicts us to do something, you can rest assured adversity will come. And sometimes that discourages people. But the opposite of, of faith is fear. Fear. I have found that if in the absence of faith, Fear can feel like darkness. It can be overwhelming. And it can just take us off track. So there's a fine line, I believe, between faith and fear. The more faith is exercised, the more we come to understand that perfect love, the things that Jesus Christ did on that cross, shows us how much he loves us. And if that's at the center of how we see things, then faith becomes a way of life because adversities will come. And without faith, it can be overwhelming. As I was reading through it, you know, I, I oh, confess a little bit. I felt a little bit of um, probably discontent I was like wow it was so cool following Jesus in those days you see all these incredible things and he has you see this miraculous power at work and I was like man I actually felt a little bit like where is it anyone else just me I was like, I, I want to see that. I want to see God do what he wants. And as we've been going through, Mark, uh, you know, as you said, Garfield, kind of connecting, like, what is God actually doing right now? What's he doing in Ellenbrook? 
And I'm on all the Facebook pages for Ellenbrook Community, which is sometimes good and sometimes not good. But one thing I keep seeing on there is people are asking spiritual questions. People are asking, can, can someone come and cleanse my house with sage? Can, can, you know, I've got this happening in my, this kind of activity taking place in my house. Does anyone have an answer for it? And my eyes are open because I'm looking and thinking, well, we do. We've actually got an answer for that. We've got an answer that can bring real life and real freedom into that situation. And so my faith has been percolating to the point of thinking, okay, God, what are you wanting to do with us in this next season? As we've been being prepared, we've been being uh, equipped, what's coming next? And so I'm keeping my eyes open to see, is there going to be a connection between what we've seen in Mark and what's happening in our community? And I actually think there will be. Now, personal experiences, you guys have, have seen a lot of stuff. What, what, how can you encourage us with personal testimony of what you've seen? Oh, gee. I've seen many. I'm fortunate. I've seen many, many, many miracles. Uh, but personal testimony. Look, I'll, I'll tell you one that happened last Thursday night. And I can tell you now how, you t how I mentioned that failure, but it's not going to stop you. On Thursday, a great friend of mine, uh, Comba Newland, he rung me up a couple of weeks ago and he, he had this man that was demon-possessed in a terrible state. He had been into everything. He said, oh, Tom, can you come over? We've, we've got to get rid of this demon. Can you come over Thursday night? I'll open the church up and there'll just be me and you and this particular gentleman. And I said... Okay, I said, no problem, we'll go there, we'll cast a demon out, then we'll go and have tea. He says, fine. As you do? As you do, yeah. Anyway, we were there for four hours. We went through everything. We could not get rid of this demon in this guy, which is very, very unusual. In fact, it's never happened before, to be quite honest. And I'm scratching my head and I'm thinking... Why can we not, and, and it got getting late in the night. In the end, we, we went home and we said, okay, we're coming back for another session. We're not going to just give up. We're going to get this demon out of this guy. He was actually full of demons. And I went home and I prayed about it. And I'm saying, Lord, you just show me why this demon hasn't come out yet. You just show me, you just show me, you just show me. Obviously, it's a strong demon or it's a pile of demons. Now, I know for a fact that that God's going to reveal to me, always going to reveal to uh, Con, what the problem is here, and we're going to sort of go down the track that God showed us. We're going to get rid of this demon. Now, you can look at it as, that's a failure, we're going to give up, or you can say, look, man, this, we're not going to get beat by this. This guy's going to get delivered because Jesus wants him delivered. So that is a miraculous sign, miraculous sign, to me, that, that we couldn't get out of it, it sounds strange because I've had, I could talk all day about miraculous signs where God delivered this person or God healed this person or God healed that person. But I wanted to mention that. If, if someone doesn't get healed or something doesn't happen, you just keep going strong and strong. Because I'll tell you what, the victory is ours. Never, ever give up. 
Yeah, so as far as personal experiences goes, obviously like Tom, we've been on this earth a long time and we've been able to witness how God has worked and how he, through his people, have performed the things that, that Jesus did uh, when he was on this earth. But I can tell you, um, when a person decides to step out in faith and allow God to use them, as I said, you can expect adversity. And one of the things that really hit me was, I think you've heard me say in this high school, there was a lot of uh, darkness. <clears throat> and um, I felt God saying, you have to do something here. And I didn't know what he wanted me to do. But to cut a very long story short, what happened in this school is that it uprooted the evil, the darkness in the school. Uprooted it. And then it was like the Holy Spirit went through this 1,400 uh, number of students. I don't know how many staff. There were kids becoming Christians. There were teachers becoming Christians. The parents were becoming Christians. And, and people came out from some of the Christian organizations trying to work out what was going on. So from that experience, I'm saying, gosh, if God can do this with this many people, what can he do? What can he do in this community? If, if we, oh, I, if I respond to God, I believe, just as he did with that uh, community, I mean, not only just in a high school, it was, it was in the community. Then I'm thinking, what could happen if the same thing happened here in Ellenbrook from the group of people here? I believe God can come and turn Ellenbrook community upside down, just as he did back then. Yeah, that's awesome. I had an experience in India when we went over to India, and I think I might have shared it, but it really shaped my, um, I guess, my compassion and my desire to see people set free. And it was when we were ministering in Mumbai, and there was many, many people that were coming forward for prayer, uh, all sorts of healings, all sorts of deliverances. And we saw, uh, I, was, I was ministering to a lady who had um, bruises on her arms. She was having, like, night terrors and just random bruises appearing like she was she was really being oppressed and prayed for her she was healed and then she brought over her family another family member like a sister who had cancer so we prayed for her prayed for another family member and then a, that, that family member had a baby and this little baby had like the darkest eyes I'd ever seen and I was just like like it still haunts me those eyes and I, it messed with my theology because I was like, how, how can this child be influenced? But I worked out later how. The, the grandmother was actually uh, like a local witch doctor or black magic kind of person which flowed through their family. But I remember looking at this child and thinking, man, if that was my kid, I would not want them living in darkness. And I know we can ask, you know, sometimes God doesn't heal. We don't see God heal. But would God's desire ever be for someone to be under spiritual oppression? W would he want people to live in darkness? Especially people who ha have not really understood the gospel before. 
Now, these, this whole family ended up getting saved on that night, responding to the gospel. They said, that's the biggest need. You need Jesus. Put away all these idols. Put away all this other garbage. Accept Jesus and watch what he can do in your life. But I remember seeing this kid and I just came back and I thought, no, nah, I can't let people go through that. If I could be part of Jesus' group, army, disciples, whatever, helping to bring freedom, then I want to be. Because there are people who are seriously just tormented. And it's not just the demonic. I know we're talking a lot about that today. But there are other things that people are struggling with that Jesus wants to bring freedom and healing to. And if we really believe that, that and we really believe that he's, he's able to, then that whole stepping out in faith into that area. So I remember being with Tom on trips before, and he's like, okay, we're going to pray for this person. We're going to pray for this certain thing. And then he'll say, okay, Scott, you're going to pray. And I'll be like, what? I thought I was watching you. <laughs> I thought I was helping you. And he's like, no, you're going to pray. And I'll pray and see healings take place. He's like, what? I can do it too. <laughs> But just stepping out into that. What are some of the hindrances then that we have? Hindrances, things that would stop us. Oh, look, I, I, I'd, I'd say, Garfield, it's fear. It's fear of failure. You, like you might start praying for people. You, you might get 50% get, get healed. And then you keep going and 60, then 70. And in the end, just about everybody you pray for gets healed. It's, you're building your faith up. From the last person that got healed, that builds your faith up, faith up for the next one. But when someone doesn't get healed, be careful, because that could put your faith down. So you've just got to be bold and keep going. Now, Peter got out the boat and walked on water for a while. Then he started sinking. But good on him for giving it a go. Good on him for... Jumping out feet first, as I would say, you, you, you know what I mean? You, if you're like that, you, you're going to achieve things, you know? Don't be scared of a failure. My dad always says to me, son, if you, if you never want to fail in anything in your life, don't do anything. Mm. And that's fact. You have to go out and you go out and you find that you'll get to that promised land. You've got to get started and just get going and you, you'll, you'll get there. But you've, you've, you've got to start with courage, with faith, and, and you've just got to jump forward because that's what Jesus wants you to do. That's good. Yeah, hindrance. I, I can only speak from my own personal experience. I'm hoping you can identify with that. But... Um, I know that a lot of people here probably never experienced a war like I have. I was in a Vietnam War. And I know that uh, when you are every day, you're faced with, are you going to live to that day? You're faced with death. And I guess the thought of leaving this earth without knowing what's going to happen to you, if, you've, if it's faced with you every day, it causes you to do some serious reflecting. And what I remember is is that I believe God saved me for a reason. And what I keep in the middle of my conscious mind is a driver. We're all driven by things. We're driven by sometimes money, sometimes comfort, sometimes power, control, manipulation. We're driven by that significance and perspective. How do we see things? So what I have found is that 
I need to keep perspective on what did Jesus go through? What did he go through? I think about what was he going through when he asked God to take it from him? Take this cup from me. What was he going through? What was on his mind? What was on his mind when, when he carried the cross? What was on his mind when they laid him down and they put the nails through his hands and his feet? What was on his mind when he was raised up what was he going through? And what was on his mind when he said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. That's in the central of my conscious mind. And with that, if that wasn't there, then I think there would be many hindrances. I would be comfortable. I wouldn't, in a third world country, they don't have a lot to depend on except God. I have a lot I can depend on. Central, what did Jesus do? And what drives me? To, how does that drive me? And how do I keep that in my conscious mind? So a couple of other hindrances that I, I have put down, you know, in, in line with what you're saying there, that, that fear that nothing's going to happen. If I step out and I pray for someone, what happens if they don't get healed? And I think I've learnt over years that faith is not just a result. It's a, it's a movement towards God. And if you see in any, any, any instance in Mark's Gospel, faith was moving towards the person of Jesus in any situation, not just the result that came. And so I'm responsible to what I feel God say... And what he's shown me in his word, not the result of what happens out of that. So if I felt like God said, kick a ball, and then I was worried that I couldn't kick the ball or the ball wouldn't go far enough, the fear is actually in my own ability rather than God's empowerment. And my responsiveness is not to the results, but to the word that he gives, and I respond to that. And leave the rest up to him. And I've noticed that not everyone, say if I'm praying for people who are sick, not everyone that I pray for gets healed, but more get healed when I pray for them than when I don't. So just stepping out, that, that, that not being afraid of what's going to happen, what if, because then it becomes a little bit more about us than it is about him. At the end of the day, it's his glory, it's his decisions, it's he, he's sovereign. So we want him to do what he wants to do. We're just partnering with him. The other thing was content, like just being content with life as it is. Well, I don't really need any of that. I don't need to see the supernatural. I don't need to, you know, I'm okay with my kind of elements of Christianity. And, and that could be a place that we're in. But then that keeps us at that place where I'm just okay with what I've seen and what I've done and what I've experienced in the past. Rather than taking a step out. And I saw that in Mark's gospel. It wasn't just in the synagogues. It wasn't just in the church, in, in the religious place where people were healed or where people were set free. It was in the marketplace. It was in the streets. It was everywhere. So wherever we are, we have the potential and the, the, the possibility for God to move through.
So just to finish, what, what would you say to someone to encourage them to move in this, in this realm? Okay. One thing that sticks in my mind, I was, I was new sort of in, in the, the ministry of healing for the sick and deliverance. It was, I was in a place called Namal in 1989 in India. And I can remember uh, I was taught by uh, Stuart Gomez, Les Holmes. It moved great in that area, the old Pentecostal area going back a few years. And I can remember a, a young boy came out. He must have been about 12 or 13. And I prayed for his... Uh, one of, he was deaf. And I prayed for in one ear. And I prayed for that. And uh, we went over the stops and checked. He didn't have a demon. And I prayed for it. He didn't get healed. And everybody else was getting healed. And I'm saying, Lord, why isn't he healed? The next day I prayed for him again. Same boy. Didn't get healed. I'd more or less given up on it, which I shouldn't have, but I remember seven days later, he came up and all sort of, I hate to say this, but blood and sort of pus came out of his ear and it was totally cleared and he was totally healed. Seven days after I prayed, he got healed. So sometimes when you pray for somebody, quite often they don't get healed straight away. It, 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 sometimes the healing process is gone in the body and it's working in the body and Seven days later, and that showed me something. That was 30, nearly 35 years ago. And that just showed me that they might not get healed straight away, but the healing's in there, the healing's down the track. Yeah, I think it's, um, it's really good to know that I believe God is constantly healing. When we accept Jesus Christ, as Lord and Savior, I believe that healing starts to take place because people start to pray and healing starts to take place. There's healing taking place right now in this church. There are people being healed. There are people being restored to the way God intended them. And I believe people are finding their identity in Christ. It's constant. And I believe people are constantly finding their purpose and their destiny in God. So while we sit here right now, there were, last night we had a wind-up at our life group, and there were people coming up telling me what God had been doing. We were just praying for them in a cell, in a, in a life group. And then they would come back and say, you know, this is what God has done to me. So when we pray, don't worry. God hears that prayer. And he will heal. He will deliver people from evil spirits. He will work in the when the natural meets the, the supernatural world. God will work in that. We just have to have faith. Yeah. And I'll go back to what I said last week. These signs shall follow those who believe. The signs follow us. We don't go following the signs. We've got to keep the priority right. It's about Jesus. Jesus stays central. And as the gospel is preached, the power of God, the demonstration of the power of God happens. Right? So we keep it in that order. We pursue him and these things just become natural part of life because it gets out of whack if we do it the other way. It becomes natural that we see these things taking place. And at the end of the day, healing is not the pinnacle. Okay? 
Deliverance is not the pinnacle. Salvation is the greatest miracle we see on this side of, of, of eternity. Okay? Every single, and this, this might mess with us again, okay? Every single person that was healed in Jesus' Gospels eventually died. Think about that. So eventually they came to the, the end of time. But in that moment, God was glorified for whatever happened in them as they were healed. Even someone that was raised from the dead eventually died again. Okay? So the, the, the pinnacle is that God gets glorified in everything that takes place. So we just want to listen, walk with, obey, and respond, and step out in courage. Yeah? I'm going to ask these guys, if one of you, Tom, maybe if you can just pray for us today as we finish up. Okay, okay. I've got to tell you that when you accept Jesus Christ as your saviour, you're saved. Now, I believe that in this congregation, the devil keeps saying to somebody in their mind, you're not saved, you're not saved. I tell you right now, there is no question mark. You are saved. Don't listen to the devil. You are saved. That is confusion. That's the spirit of confusion. You say, Jesus, I accept you. End of story. You're saved. So I don't know who that, that is here, but don't walk around thinking, I hope I'm saved. I hope I'm... You're saved. That's it. End of story. Another thing, there's somebody here that's got a really bad right eye, and they get a bit of pain in their right eye. Not the left eye, the right eye. They have pain in there after the service. We'll pray for that and God will heal that right eye. Not an, and there's some other people, I think there's two people here, that have problems with their hands. Now, I don't know if, if it's arthritis or something, but in their fingers, they, 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 there's a bit of pain in their hands. Come out after the service. We don't want to do it now because we've got stuff to go through. Come after. We'll pray for that and we'll, we'll, we'll set you free from that pain of your hands. Can you just pray for everyone now? Okay, okay. Father God, I pray, Father, that you would release the spirit of boldness over all this congregation, Father. I know that every person here, Father, is dear to you, Father. You love every person, Father. You have a path for every person to go down, Father. I pray for boldness, Father. I pray that the spirit of healing would flow, Father, so people would move in the spirit of healing, Father. I pray, Father, for the spirit of joy, Father. I pray, Father, that as they go from here, Father, that they would shine, Father. They would feel your peace. They would feel your love, Father. They would feel your glory, Father God. I, I would, as, as Jesus, Father, as he let the disciples go to do miracles, Father, to preach the gospel, Father, I, I would pray, Father, that the same would happen in this congregation, Father. I pray for the spirit of boldness. We give you all the glory. We love you, Lord, and we praise you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Can we give these guys a hand for sharing this morning? And if you did want prayer after the service, we'll have people ready to pray. But as I said before, the, the greatest miracle we can see is people coming to salvation in Jesus. So even if you've come this morning and you haven't personally made that decision to follow Jesus, to give him your life, then my encouragement is make that decision today. Come and have a chat with one of us after. We'll talk to you about what that is, how you can follow him, what it means to make him the Lord of your life. And uh, 
That would be incredible. And what we're going to do now is we're going to celebrate someone who has made that decision to put Jesus first. And Noelle, do you want to come forward? Now, she's got a major fear of public speaking and being in front of people. So you just come and sit on the front row. <laughs> we're going to make her feel comfortable. Come on, get... And I think, how are we going to do this? Are you going to stand up here? Okay, Sue's going to read her testimony for her. Okay, so just imagine it's Noelle speaking, okay? You want to tear her coffee or something? Peppermint tea, please. Where's my outfit? looking at me, okay? Everyone smile, please. Hi, everyone. <clears throat> this is Noelle, okay? It's not me. I would like to share my testimony about how I found the real Jesus. Please bear with me as I'm trying to squeeze 12 years into five-minute talk, maybe a bit longer. I grew up as a Catholic in Ghana, but in 2009, I met the missionaries of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in Ghana and converted and quickly got baptised. <clears throat> At first, I thought I found the true religion. The doctrines appealed to me. The thought of spending eternity with my family was amazing. I became a good Mormon girl trying to get my family to become as active as I was. Over the years, a few people tried to make me see that the church was fake. I thought they were joking. I told myself that they did not have a true testimony of the gospel and that with prayers from my part, their eyes would be open. I was taught that if I did certain works, I could live with my family for eternity. I actually became enamoured of their doctrines because I thought it was so unique and therefore must be true. Everything was great for a few years until two years ago I experienced a total blockage from hearing the Spirit. For a whole year, despite all my prayers and fasting, I felt nothing from God, even after going to the temple a few times. That is where you are supposed to hear from God the most. I began to get frustrated and angry. I reflected and thought to myself that this wasn't the God I knew. He was a God who cared about his children, so something wasn't right. Then one day, all of a sudden, I felt I needed to look into the fact why some members left the church. I wanted to know their stories. I spent about 14 hours a day reading all I could find about the church history and reading ex-Mormon stories. After a couple of weeks, I decided this was just a man-made organisation and it was all a business. I needed to leave ASAP. I sent a letter detailing my desire to leave and wanted my name removed from their records. I began to look for a Christian church near me. Grace Life stood out to me, so I decided to visit. As soon as I walked in, I could tell the difference. For several minutes, it was just worship, and the whole worship was about Jesus. It wasn't about Joseph Smith, the founder of Mormonism, and it wasn't about church business. 
I couldn't hold back my tears. I tried to hide it. But after some minutes, I had to find the restroom and go empty my soul there so as not to embarrass myself. I went home rejoicing that I was free from this cult that I used to belong to. But as time went on, I realised it wasn't going to be as easy as, as I thought in letting things go. I had invested 12 years of my life into this cult. I felt anger and resentment towards the church. I felt lied to and taken advantage of. My husband and I paid so much money to this organisation in tithing, it was hard to let go. For a whole year, I went through a faith crisis. I lost faith in all churches and so-called religion. They were all just interested in making profit. I decided to do my own thing. I read my scriptures and listened to Christian videos. Some days were better than others. I kept bouncing in and out of depression. I got interested in tarot reading and paying for psych readings. Deep down I knew it was wrong, but I felt so lost at the time. I was enjoying the freedom of not belonging to any religion. Deep down I felt so empty. There was this void only my Lord Jesus could fill. I felt isolated and alone. I missed having a relationship with God. I also knew Satan loved to isolate people to make them weaker. So I decided to go back to Grace Life. I stopped all psychic readings and repented. Everything looked so easy. No special dress code. <laughs> no endless and boring talks about church business and Joseph Smith and the Book of Mormon. Literally no pressure at all. <clears throat> you wait. <laughs> I instantly clicked with Stella Jones and took a liking to Garfield and his wife, Sue. Shucks. <laughs> I later confided to Stella that I still struggled in my journey to Christ. Getting rid of 12 years of habit wasn't as easy. And if I missed a day or two of prayer, I would feel so guilty and put myself down for not being a good Christian. Stella prayed with me and told me Jesus had already paid the price. I didn't have to be perfect, and that is why grace is available from Jesus. I needed not to tick things off my checklist any longer. Even my kids, who always resented Sundays because of all the restrictions placed on members to observe the Sabbath day, began to enjoy coming to Grace Life Ministry. My youngest, Windsor, always looks forward to it and won't shut up about his new friend, Malachi. <laughs> Although I've known Jesus all my life, at this time in my life, it looks like getting to know him all over again, to truly see him for the first time. I love him very much, and if it wasn't for him and his mercies in my life, I don't know where I'd be or what I would have become. I want to follow his example and get baptised and receive his spirit and live my life in him. He is my breath of life. Every day that I wake up, I am filled with new hope for the future because of him. Truly, I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me.
We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.